Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is podcast number 87. And this will be, I think, the final podcast. Well, not the final podcast, but the... The final scheduled. The final scheduled podcast from Prince Edward Island. I'm here for the weekend uh, getting all my stuff with the U-Haul. And then I'm going back to uh, Fredericton this afternoon. So there's, if you notice that there's no jerseys behind me, it's because actually I think there's an arm of a jersey over there to behind you, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Habs jersey. That's, that's the only one that's left because that's yours. And uh, oh, everything you're else... leave that behind so I can retain ownership. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awfully nice of you. Everything else has been packed away and is in the trailer, ready to go. So it's pretty bare here. Um, I've left a couple jerseys here that we'll use um, and set up for the next time I come back. But there's just not enough time to set everything up. Mm-hmm. We spent most of yesterday packing up the U-Haul and stuff, but uh, we did watch some hockey last night, so we can talk about that. And uh, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more at the end of the podcast about um, the plans for the channel and stuff going forward. So, all right. Do you want to start at the game recaps? Let's do that. All right. So, game number one yesterday was the Edmonton-Pittsburgh game. Uh, Edmonton went 2-1. to one. Pittsburgh led in shots 35-14 to 14 at one point in this game. Uh, it was a pretty exciting uh, overtime. Dreisaitl's goal. Was, like, uh... just watching. It, they made this comment. I think it was on Tim and Sid earlier this week or the previous week. It's it's a shame that McDavid doesn't get more national network time. Because if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, or if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, likely the only time you're probably going to watch McDavid from the average fan. Like, not every fan watches the first game and then watches the late game. Yeah, The average fan probably only sees Connor McDavid four times a year at the most, I would say. So when you get a chance to see Connor McDavid play an Eastern team in a, in a game that was on most TVs, like yeah. he needs more na- national network time because he is arguably the best player in the NHL. So uh, it was nice to see him play an Eastern team earlier in the day so more people, more people could see him. I think every Edmonton game should be nationally broadcasted, specifically for Connor McDavid. And I'm not really a big Connor McDavid fan, but I think it's important for the NHL that their best player, if you want to say, gets some airtime. Mm-hmm. And he's not getting enough right now. No. So, And that's what they said on Tim and Sid, and I agree. I don't agree with everything that Tim and Sid says, but I do agree with that. Um, but it was a pretty good game, pretty exciting game. Uh, OT was great. Drysaddle was fantastic. Uh, goalies on both sides made some incredible saves. So... It's just a good hockey game. Yeah, Mike Smith was, uh, he made some highlight reel. He's been playing really well lately. Keepers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good game. Uh, next game was the Rangers and Nashville game. Rangers won 2-1. to one. Um, Both of the Rangers goals were beautiful. I did not see those. Oh, you didn't see them? No. Oh, they were both really, really good. Um, but Saros made a pad save later in that game. That was, it was definitely the save of the game. I don't think a save of the year candidate, but uh, basically he was deked out. And then just managed to basically do the splits and kind of save it with one leg. It was it was a really good save. Um, the Dallas and Montreal game. Dallas won four to one. Um, well, Montreal power play sucked <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Bishop was great as well. I thought Dallas did a real good job of keeping Montreal to the outside. And um, you know, for a team that played last night, Dallas was didn't look tired at all, and no. Montreal kind of did, like, giving the puck away and stuff. And, Montreal had a really good start. The first. 10 minutes of the first period, Montreal was all over them. Uh, they didn't get really good percentage shots. They were 
they were taking the easy plays. They were shooting from a distance, shooting from bad angles. Yeah. Uh, so the shot count was way up, but they weren't quality shots. Exactly. At one point, they were leading like nine to two in shots or something, but they weren't quality shots. But they were. They had pressure in the offensive zone. They they looked like they were on their way because they had the day's rest that uh, Dallas did not have, but they didn't play well. Mm. Dallas, like you say, they they had played the night before, but it didn't show. And there's always little weird things when certain teams play other teams in certain arenas. So Montreal has lost the last six games in Dallas, if I heard that correctly last night. So uh, we see that with Calgary in Anaheim, I think it was. Calgary has won one game of the past 27 games in Anaheim or something like that. It's just crazy. It's either Anaheim or it's uh, LA. I can't remember which one, but it's weird how that works. Yeah. Uh, the Boston-Ottawa game was an interesting one. Boston wow. won, Boston won 5-2. to two. Uh, That Bergeron-Marchand-Pasternak line is ridiculous. Like, Pasternak looks unbelievable this year. He looks like the best player in the league this year. Then there was that, that goal where they had a, a power play, and Krug basically iced the puck. Yeah. But Pasternak was so fast, he got down there, negated the icing, and scored. Yeah, absolutely. unreal. And and Don Cherry called attention to it last night on Coach's Corner. Mm. And and he was saying, don't be afraid to ice the puck if you have a fast guy to exactly, go down and yeah. get it. Because it's not icing if you get there first. Yeah, it's not in a conventional play, but it works if you know what, you know, if you plan for it and yep. you practice it. It was beautiful. It can work every time, so. It was beautiful. Yep, it's awesome. Um, there was an injury in that game, a very violent collision. It didn't look bad when it happened, so I shouldn't say it's very violent, but it turned out to be bad. And that's when Sabaran, who's been playing in the minors for years, uh, Manchester Monarchs, I think he played with, uh, um, and all kicking around the minor leagues and just got up into the, the NHL. <clears throat> and then he it looks like a pretty average-looking hit. He's about to hit Bacchus. Uh, but when they collide, their heads hit. And Sabaran went down out. Bacchus it, was hurt too. Yeah, he hit the ice pretty, pretty hard, and there was a, unfortunately a lot of blood. Yeah, it might have been the hit on the ice that did more damage than the head-on-head contact. I don't know, but yeah, but yeah, it was ooh, grim. Didn't look good. Anyways, no. he gave the thumbs up when he was taken off the ice and stuff. Um, yeah. Everyone was concerned. Every single player from both benches was on the ice. Yeah, it was a real show of respect and yeah, um, concern really, um, but. Yeah, it's tough to see that. That doesn't happen too often in hockey, considering how violent the sport is. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, just kind of like a freak hit a little bit, just their heads hit the wrong way or whatever. And Bacchus also left the game. Yeah, he did. He so. did. He stayed around for the carting off of Sabaran, but then he, he left as, as well. Yeah. They said upper body injury, could, but that could be anything from a shoulder to a, 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 a nipple, head, a concussion. It could be a nipple. could be a nipple. Yeah. could have chafed his nipple. Who knows? You never know. and uh, Because... There's nothing worse than a chafe nipple. I can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. Did we say the score? I yeah. don't know if we did. Uh, it's 5-2. Yeah, just five in case. Boston. Just in case. Uh, and, and like every, every not every Boston goal, but it seems like every time I watch Boston play, most of the goals they score are highlight real goals. Yeah. Just beautiful passing plays. They just, they've played together for so long, especially that top line. Mm -hmm. It's like they know where each other is just without even looking. It just comes natural. So I don't like saying that about Boston, but yeah, they look pretty good. They, they look really good. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers-Buffalo game, or not the Rangers, the Islanders-Buffalo game was next. Uh, the Islanders won one to nothing. A bit of a, a yawn game for the most part for the fans' perspective. Uh, one nothing. If, honestly, if I'm going to go see a hockey game, 
I don't want to see a one nothing game. No, especially when the goal that was scored was just a fluky behind weird, the net, yeah. behind the net, and hits the goalie and goes in behind. You know, hits a skate. So it wasn't even really a, a yeah. goal that you'd want on a replay. Exactly. It was a junky goal. And it was early in the first. It was, yeah. So the rest of the game was scoreless. Yeah. But with that said, there were some <clears throat> crossbars and posts in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a few, actually. Um, but the Islanders are, are on a current nine-game winning streak. And Varlamov, shut out. Varlamov looks awesome. Yeah. This team looks awesome. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, Florida played Detroit. Florida won four to nothing. Honestly, this was all Florida. 41 shots for Florida. Uh, and this game could have been 10 nothing without Bernier. I would say about 15 of those saves were like probably highlight real saves. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic, and he still let in four goals. So that was just a real stinker by Detroit and a real good game by Florida. The Toronto-Philadelphia game, Toronto won 4-3, 11-round shootout. Longest in Leafs history. Really? Yep. Longest shootout run in Leafs history. Wow. Hmm. That's interesting. I would not have guessed that. Um, anyways, it's a really good game overall as a hockey fan. These this, these two teams have a bit of a rivalry going back to the mid-2000s and late 90s and uh, playoff series, but uh, I just want to say that those Philadelphia Flyers jerseys on the ice looked amazing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Uh, and that was an important win for Toronto, too, <coughs> because uh, Montreal was catching up to them and passed them at one point, so, so they're kind of neck and neck. So that was a big win for Toronto. Yeah, and prior to the game last night, Montreal was actually in the third position in the Eastern Conference, right? or in the Atlantic Division, rather, and that they weren't even a wild card. They were in based on mm. that, and so that's all changed again. I, I don't know what they are. I didn't look this morning. It's too depressing. Uh, Montreal is just outside of a wild card position, I think, Yeah, but they have a game in hand on... Toronto. So if they win that game, they're back in third. So it's uh, it's early November, folks. Be no planning parades or anything just yet. Yep. But uh, I think it's uh, Boston, Buffalo, Florida, and then wild card Pittsburgh, Toronto, and then Montreal. Right. And I think if Montreal wins, they jump Toronto, and then they have a tiebreaker with Florida or something like that. <laughs> cool. Um. The Rangers, or not the Rangers, <laughs> Jeez, apparently the Rangers played three times yesterday. Uh, the New Jersey Devils <laughs> and Carolina Hurricanes, 5-3 for New Jersey. Yeah, that's a pretty important win for New Jersey because they've been not looking great. Uh, he sure had a absolutely beautiful goal. Oh, that's where he deeks Slavin. He yeah. goes one way and then he goes, Slavin had his back to him, but, yeah. but still he was back and forth. That was beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and PK yeah. got a goal in, in deep. It's not often that PK Subban scores from the... The lower part of the hash marks in towards the net, and he had a nice tip. There. So there you go. Um, he's pretty excited, and uh, I just have a, a, a really a question for you guys listening at home, and more so specifically for New Jersey fans. Now, PK Subban was on Montreal, then he went to Nashville, and now he's on New Jersey. Pretty good sample size so far this year. There have been about 15 games that we've seen him in. To the New Jersey fans at home, how do you feel about PK Subban? Has he met your expectations? Is it, you know, is he, is it has it been a disappointment so far? I'm I know that there's games where he's been a disappointment and they've lost probably because of some giveaways. But there's also games like this where he gets the game winning goal and mm-hmm. he you know he is a big player in the game. So now that you've seen now that you've experienced on your team the good and the bad of PK Subban, uh, do you want him to stay? Do you like him or do you? He's just too. Too flashy, too much of a risk. Hope he moves on. He gave an interesting dressing room interview earlier in the week 
uh, after a, a, I think I didn't see the game, but it was one of these big games, six five or something. New Jersey probably should have won the game, but ended up not winning it. And he must have made some mistakes because he gave in the interview. He says it's. I have a job to do, and tonight I didn't do my job. Mm. Like he was very self-critical, and probably should be because there are those times when he's he's a very high-risk player. Yeah, and uh, this must have been one of those nights. I just saw that little clip of the interview. I don't even remember who they were playing or what the circumstances of the mm. game were. But he's a. I I always have liked the guy, no matter where he's played, especially though in Montreal. I saw his first mm. home game as a Montreal in Canadian in person. I was in the the Bell Center. And he had just been called up from the minors. And he had played the night before in Philly. And this was a home and home. They were playing Philly on a Saturday night in Montreal. And I was there at the game. And the crowd was going crazy for him. Mm. Every time they showed him on the Jumbotron, the crowd would, the, the noise level would go up. Because people are so excited to see him. Mm. I would, I love watching him play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes I'm like this, but I still love it. And the thing about P.K. Suma is his personality is so fantastic that Whatever team he plays for, like when he went to Nashville, he was all in on Nashville. And when he went to New Jersey, he was all in on New Jersey. Mm -hmm. It wasn't his choice to go to Nashville. It wasn't his choice to go to New Jersey. It doesn't didn't matter to P.K. Subban. And that's really a testament to his character that he's going to love who he plays for regardless. He, he's going to love the city. He's going to put his heart and soul into wherever he's at. I don't think he can say that for a lot of hockey players. You probably could say it for most, but not at the level that BK Subban does. Yeah. Subban does it, so that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what he does on the ice. Yeah. Um, the Calgary Columbus game, uh, Calgary won three nothing. Uh, Forty three save shadow from Riddick, which ties a Flames record actually, and he was fantastic. He was ridiculous. Um, so uh, there's been some games where Calgary's been like, "Wow, this is the Calgary from last year," and there's been games where it's like. This is coming from the playoffs from yeah. last year. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Did you see the punch? Uh, I did not. Lucic on. Uh, oh, I knew that. Sherwood. I heard that he was going to have a hearing. I didn't watch the highlight. Yeah, just around behind the net, and and Sherwood. They were skating. Lucic was skating forward, and and I think Sherwood was skating backwards, and they were kind of together. And Lucic just hauled off with the glove glove on and just beamed him right, right in just, the back of the head. No, in the front of the head. Oh, in the front, right in the in the front of the head. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just beamed him down. He went. Lucic ended up getting a at least a minor in the game. Yeah, but I suppose once the the head office looked at that, they said, "Was it after the play or during the play?" I think it was either during a play or just as the whistle was being blown. Okay. So it was they were in motion. They were going pretty fast. It was uncalled for. It always is, right? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to him. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I here? Um. Yeah, I mean, important game for Calgary. Big win. Uh, St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis won 4-3. to three. Some weird goals in this game for sure. Honestly, you guys know Allen's my favorite player. Player. He looked a bit all over, all over the place in this game <laughs> for points where he was tripping over himself and he was three feet outside of the crease to the left. And there, it was just, he looked a little shaky. I think he was a little lucky to get this win, but he also made some pretty decent big saves in this game as well. So That was an overtime. It was, so yes. Minnesota did grab a point there. They did, and St. Louis came back from that game. I think they were down 3-2 at one point. Uh, the Arizona-Colorado game, this was a pretty good game. Arizona went 3-0. Uh, Kemper was amazing. Kessel looked fantastic. Kessel looks really good in Arizona so far. Uh, it's really nice to see Arizona being competitive. And I think... I think Colorado played the previous night, so maybe they were a little tired. But Yeah, they did. They played uh, Dallas. Dallas, yeah. yeah. 
Um, the Vegas Winnipeg game was next. Winnipeg won four to three. Uh, big comeback win for for Winnipeg. They were down three to one in the third. Uh, kind of battle of the backups in this game. I think it was uh, PK or not PK Subban. Uh, Malcolm Subban versus Brassois. It's a pretty good game. I mean, this team has a rivalry. They played against each other in the playoffs two years ago. Luckily, I got to see a couple of those, of those games. You did? Um, yeah, it was just a it was a good game. Kyle Connor got the overtime goal, but there was one goal that uh, that Winnipeg scored that really probably shouldn't have been a goal. Did you see the – and Gallant was going off. I think it was the tying goal that made it 3-3. But uh, Shifley – was way, I think it was Shifley that had gone, yeah, he was way in. I think Lion A, back in their own zone, had basically iced the puck. It worked in the Boston game. Mm -hmm. And this game, it didn't really work because as Shifley was going in, there was another player in front of him, like a a defending player in front of him, and all the way into the red line. And then Shifley picked up the puck and scored. And like, where's the icing call there? Because wow. it's usually the lead guy is the one who gets to determine whether it's icing or not. In this case, Vegas had the lead guy going in across the red line or even across the faceoff dot, which is yeah, where yeah. they do the call now. And he was ahead at the faceoff dot, and there was no icing called. They were close to each other, but it was clear who was ahead. Like, I've seen icings called in a lot less questionable circumstances or even more questionable. They still call icing. Tie goes to the runner. They mm. usually call it. They didn't call it here, and, and Galant is like, what? What? And especially after seeing that Boston game, you'd wonder why they're calling that so differently. Well, there's, was... there's definitely inconsistencies in the uh, refing world in the NHL, for sure. I mean, we saw a clip of a fight last night mm. where one of the linesmen was trying to jump in and stop the fight and grabbing guys by the arms, and the other one was just watching. And there was no reason, honestly, there was no reason for the first one to jump in. It was just causing more of a problem. So, like... yeah. You're actually risking the man's physical health yeah. by holding back his arm. Because if he can't defend himself and gets beamed. Exactly. Now, you might see something like that in the men's league or something like that where the refs aren't coordinated. Coordinated. They yeah. don't have this officiating management above them where there's, you know, they're having meetings and stuff. Like, how is this happening in the NHL? Like, either you break up a fight when it needs to be broken up and there's a, an agreement between the two linesmen. You can't just jump in there and start like doing it when there's a fight that's going on where nothing bad is happening. It's just a regular fight. What are you doing? Yeah. So yeah. No very one's in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. The Vancouver San Jose game. Vancouver won five two. Got out to an amazing lead in that game. Uh, definitely hot out of the gate. San Jose just could not recover, and San Jose is looking pretty weak lately. Mm. Uh, five game losing streak now for San Jose. Wow. Yeah, and they haven't been playing good at home, and they've always been a pretty good home team. But I think they're two, four, and one. I think at home. Um, the last game was the Chicago LA game. LA actually won four to three in overtime. Uh, two struggling teams put on a pretty good show. Now these were two contending teams for probably six or seven years, and now they're—I don't want to really call them bottom feeders, but they're—you know—they're struggling teams. And that was a real good game yesterday between both of them. So. Did you see that save Campbell made on Taves? That save, that save was freaking amazing. <laughs> it was unreal. And he's a he he's a left glove goalie. Like yeah. a lot of goalies are this way, but he he's this way and just bang. Just boom. Ooh. Swung it around. Beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh so that pretty much wraps up the uh recaps from yesterday. With Vancouver's five goal performance in that game, or was it five? Yeah. Yeah. They are now third highest in, in NHL scoring in in goals per game. They're at 3.64. Yep. Only two teams are ahead of them. Nashville at 3.86. 
and Washington at 3.93. Tied for fourth. You talked about Montreal and Florida being in a tiebreaker situation. Montreal and Florida tied for fourth in goals per game. Mm. Uh, 3.57. Do you know who's first in goal differential? Got to be Tampa. Vancouver. What? They are tied with Boston with plus 19. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Do you want to know who is uh, last or worst in goal differential? Toronto? Detroit (laughs) with uh, minus 24. Then San Jose with minus 20. I I just, Toronto was just letting in a lot. So they've had a bad, well, well, with Tavares being out, it's really. Toronto's plus one. (laughs) Yeah. Middle of the back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's game is Calgary versus Washington. Who are you predicting? I'm predicting Calgary. I'm predicting Washington. Are you? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay, we'll see who wins. We will. All right. Chicago versus Anaheim. Chicago. Anaheim. It's on. It's on. Winner gets nothing. Winner oh. gets to... I shouldn't go there. Loser has to move out. Winner, <laughs> winner has to move out. I don't know. You're probably going to win. Um, all right. Just a few headlines here I just want to go through. Now, they talked about the Dustin Bufflin situation last night on yeah. the uh, the broadcast and CBC or Sportsnet, whatever it was. And it's getting pretty heated now. It's going to arbitration, it looks like. I don't know if that's official or not, but I'm pretty sure it is going to arbitration. And... That the fact that it's going to arbitration and the fact that it's so confusing because he was injured, but then he wasn't injured, and there was a debate on what date specifically he got injured, and when he came back for training camp, there, I don't know what happened, but basically it's pretty confusing, and the arbitrator gets to make the decision. But regardless of what happens, is what is uh, Winnipeg going to want <clears throat> Dustin Bufflin to play? Yeah. Or more importantly, is Dustin Bufflin going to want to play for Winnipeg? Do you think that they're going to work this out, and or do you think that he's going elsewhere? I'm on team elsewhere. I, I think I would be as well. Once you poison the water with these, nego- not even negotiations, these confrontations, it makes it really, really hard, especially if the, if the Winnipeg front office, if whoever it is driving the bus in the Winnipeg front office is still going to be there mm. after this gets all settled. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Pretty hard. It's it's tough. And I, like I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know when he's going to go there, but <clears throat> the sooner this gets settled, the better for both parties. Yeah. So hopefully something works out. Yeah. I, I don't know if Jason would understand this way better than I would, but about how the whole finances thing works and injured reserve and the timing of the injury, I think is important, at least in part, because is it a hockey injury or some other kind of injury? Right. Because you're only really compensable for the injuries you suffer as part of the game. Uh, if you were out on your four-wheeler and you flip it and you, you know, you break a wing or something. Yeah. Um, that's not a hockey injury. So I think the debate was, did it happen prior to the playoffs or during the playoffs? Mm. And when did he report it? And yada, yada, yada. Now he had surgery on the ankle. Yeah. So it's not like he wasn't injured. Like he making oh, it yeah. up. He, he obviously was injured. Yeah. It's just a matter of But then they found this broken bone in his foot yeah. that they didn't know about. And it's like, where, where did that come from? Yeah, exactly. Where did that so, come from? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, we also got some news that Seattle's going to announce their team name prior to the All-Star break, which is pretty awesome. That's three months away? At like least. That. Two two at least. Yeah. yeah, more like three. Yeah, February. Yeah. Now, they filed trademarks on a couple of teams here. And I don't know if we went through this or not. I think we talked about the, the rumored names. But these are the names that they've actually legally trademarked. 
Okay. So the chances are very good that it's going to be one of these names. Now I'll go through them one at a time. All right. And you can tell me how you feel about each name, each team name. Okay. The Seattle Cougars. Not crazy about it, but but not not bad. Not okay. crazy about the name. There was a lot of cat stuff, but it yeah. it would be a cool logo, I think. Yeah. The Seattle Eagles. Um Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I just okay. I'm not a fan of that just because of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like we have another professional sports team named the Eagles, so let's get something totally new. Yeah. The Seattle Emeralds? No. I agree. No. Just You're gonna name your team after a rock? <laughs> Seriously? That's a pretty rock, but it's a rock. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the Seattle Firebirds. Oh, you know, I like that. I do too. Because of the totem idea, um, you could have a super logo. Yeah, the of, logo would be of, fantastic. Oh, my and the goodness. colors would be awesome. The coastal uh, coastal Aboriginal logo on the front. You know, like if, if that's what they went for, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'd be down with that one. All um, right. Seattle Kraken. Absolutely not. No, ever, ever. Uh, absolutely. Heck yeah. No. It's a mythical sea beast. No. What is the big mountain that's close to Seattle? Uh, well, there's Mount Rainier, I think, is the... Yes, that is one of the names, <clears throat> Seattle Rainiers. Or if it's not that, then it's Rainers. Yeah, no, it would be Rainier. I'm assuming it's Rainiers. Um, nah. Yeah, me, me. It's just kind of, mm. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the Seattle Renegades. Um, no, only because I don't. Renegades is just a name unless it's attached to real renegades. Yeah, I agree. Like the Columbus Blue Jackets, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a history there. Is there a history of renegade people in Seattle? I, maybe there is. I don't know. The Vegas renegades might have worked because of the whole yeah, western. Shoot, root and yeah. tootin', shoot them up, ride them, cowboy. I don't know if the Seattle renegades really yeah. make sense. Uh, Seattle sea lions. No. Why? Because a sea lion is a big fat thing that just sits there and goes. <laughs> yeah, so? It, it's, 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 it's an obese sea creature. Who cares? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you got the Seahawks. Yeah, would, that's fine. It would go in line with the their branding of the city. Yeah, make it make it Sea Cougars or something else. Sea Cougar. I don't know. <laughs> Seagull. What's uh, a uh, seagulls? There you go. Is that like an uh, an older mermaid, a sea cougar? <laughs> <laughs> Come on over, sonny. Uh, okay, Seattle Seals. Uh, less less bad than sea lions. Yeah, but we've had the Oakland seals and the California golden seals in the past. Yes. So it, I, I think for that reason, not not that you can't use an old stepping on California a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. But so that would be, I'd be a no on that one. Okay. Uh, this was looks like to be gaming the most speed and probably will be the name Seattle Sockeyes. No. I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't mind it. The logo might be kind of cool, but it's just, I just don't like the way that sounds or something. It's just weird. That's it's a fish. The sockeyes versus the maple leaves. I don't know. It just sounds weird. Sockeyes. Uh, the Seattle totems. No. 
Yeah. I would use a totem logo, but I wouldn't call it a totem team. Name the team, whatever you want. Have a third jersey with a totem on it or have some branding with totems on it. I don't think you should name the team the totems. Yeah. Um, the Seattle Whales. I, no. Why not? Whales versus Sharks. No. <laughs> we already kind of have a whale on the uh, Canucks logo. so We do. We do. And it's pretty close by, a.k.a. Like right across the water, yeah. and when and when Carolina decides to, we have a whale on their jersey too. That's true. A whale's yeah. tail, Hartford right? Third whalers, yes. Mm. So yeah, mm. um, not so good. Anyways, they're meeting weekly on the topic, so that I mean, they're trying to get it done. Hopefully, it gets announced before the All Star break. But the Seattle Space Needles, heck mm. yeah, <laughs> that'd be all right. Um, the Seattle Boeing's. Uh, you're not going to get that one. The Seattle Microsofts. No. No, I don't think you're going to get that one either. <laughs> um, so there's reports coming out recently that Babcock may not actually be safe in Toronto. Yeah, I've, I've seen a bit of that noise. I think that is very good news. Not in the fact that it would happen, but the fact that it's out there and that he knows that it's out there. So he might be a little more interested to make decisions that he wouldn't normally make. Now, I don't know if you listened to the, listened or watched the podcast last week when Jason and I were talking about Babcock. Did you? I did. What are your thoughts here on his decisions about the goalies to play Anderson in the first game and play the backup in the second game, regardless of who they play in the first night or second night? Because they've their back-to-back record at the time was 3-1-0 and zero or something, and 0-3-1 and on the second night. On the second night. Um I, he knows his goalies obviously better than I do, and he has all kinds of strategy in his head that he has to play out. I wouldn't second-guess that part. That's part of being a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't like it, fire him. But to sit here and expect him to do it differently, like you're hiring the man for his judgment. Right. And you expect him to exercise his judgment. If you're not happy eventually with his judgment, just get rid of him. But don't ask him to change his judgment. Yes, that's a good point. If yeah, you can't really tell him to make it to make coaching decisions. Then when you're, the, you're coach. Not the coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you become the coach then. So you may as well have fired him. And that's that, constructive dismissal. That comp- compromises the relationship between him yeah. and whoever is above him, Kyle Dubas or whoever. Yeah. So what's the point of telling him to make decisions? All you can say is that you trust your coach's decision, and if it's not that, he's gone. That's right. You trust him until you don't. Yeah. And then when you don't. Shake hands, have a nice day. You're you're still on the hook to pay him through the end of his contract. Exactly. And have him toodle out the door. Yeah. And, you know, get Kyle Dubas some goggles for behind the bench and put him down there or whatever. Yeah. But uh, Babcock, I, I, I've always liked Babcock. Me too. And, and I've always disliked playing against him mm-hmm. as a Montreal Canadiens player in my own past, of course, which is obviously crap. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't like playing against him. He's a good coach. Uh, but... Every coach, all the good ones, they all get fired. Yes, eventually. They, do. they all do. They all do. Bruce Boudreaux gets fired, and Quenville gets fired. Claude Julien. Claude Julien gets fired, and and Torch gets fired multiple times. Yeah. Um, that happens. doesn't mean they're not good. They're just there's a there's a chemical reaction that works in in your favor for a while until it doesn't. Then it's time to find a, a team with better chemistry Absolutely. for you. And so it's not a it's not a knock on him. 
Yeah. But uh, right. there, there's decisions that are made by Claude Julien. There's decisions that used to be made by Mario Tremblay and other Montreal coaches that were clearly in contravention of what head office wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sign a player to six million bucks so he can ride the pine. Yeah. Because the coach doesn't like him. Exactly. So uh, something has to break eventually. Exactly. I have a trivia question for you. Uh-oh. It's it's kind of a difficult trivia question, and I want you guys at home to play if you're listening or watching. You don't have to comment or anything like that, but just play along in your head. It's one question. It's not that in-depth. Who holds the highest time on ice average? And if you're listening at home, don't look it up. I want you to try and get this just by thinking about it. And I can give you some hints. But I want to know who has the highest time time on ice average per game. Non-goalies. Non-goalies, obviously. <laughs> yes. So almost always time on ice is, is headlined by defensemen. This is correct. It is a defenseman. Yeah, and usually the, the top four or five players with time on ice every game are all D, at least the top four, usually not five. Agreed. Um, so he's D. He's got to be D that plays a lot. Yep, I can tell you what conference he's in if you'd like. Sure. Okay, he's in the Eastern Conference. Okay. I can give one more hint. All right. I'll take it. His age is 22. Oh. Which is a little surprising. 22? He's only 22. He has the highest time on ice average in the league. It is 26 minutes and 29 seconds per game, which is pretty outstanding for a 22-year-old defenseman. I don't know too many 22-year-old defensemen, but I know some who play in very good teams. Um, this team is not good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, now I'm lost because I was going to go with Sergeyev. Uh Although Tampa's not been that great this year, but uh, I, I actually don't know. My, my guess would have been Sergeyev. Okay. Thomas Shabbat. Oh. 22 years old, putting up 26-plus minutes per game and looking real good on a real bad team. Wow. So... And I remember the season previews from the pros out there, the real journalists. They were t- saying, "Watch this guy." Yeah, because he's 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 the he is the future of the Ottawa Senators. The real deal. Once this team gets some supporting cast, gets some consistent goaltending, like Ottawa in ten years or five years or seven years, could be a pretty competitive team led by Thomas Shabbat. So, hopefully, he stays there and everything works out. Not Ottawa, obviously, but. Anyways, I just wanted to ask you that question. Now, um, I had another trivia question, but we kind of already talked about it. Uh, Who has the most goals for team? How many goals for? Which team has the most goals for, and how many did they score? (laughs) Well, I I think I can... You already said, I think Washington with 60, uh, Boston with... Oh, and Boston has the the best goals against is at 27. That would make sense. They've only led in 27 goals. And Washington scored 60. And Boston's not far behind Washington in the goals for. Uh, goals for. That's all I have. Class of the field. this podcast. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so next, I guess I want you to ask me about my hat. Well, why do you think I'm wearing the hat that I'm wearing? It's a baseball hat. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you want to talk about baseball, so I figured I'd wear a baseball hat. <laughs> I didn't notice I didn't notice until now yeah, so what hat you were wearing. You're Washington Nationals hat. Um what wearing it proudly because they are your favorite They are my favorite baseball team. Uh team. A I like the National League, not the American League. So I'm I'm gonna cheer for every World Series, all star game, I'm gonna cheer for the National League teams. 
because I like the National League. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that pitchers have to hit, that they don't have a DH. That's one of many reasons. <clears throat> the Washington Nationals used to be the Montreal Expos, and back in their inaugural year 50 years ago, 1969, I went to some of their games as a child. Mm-hmm. And they've been my team all along, even when they left Montreal at, at the end of 2004. So you still consider this to be your team? I absolutely do. Okay. And even they acknowledge, this is, here's one thing I like really, and I like this about Carolina in hockey, acknowledging the Hartford legacy. Yes. Uh, I've not seen Winnipeg acknowledge an Atlanta Thrashers legacy, but maybe they've done that. They might do that in the future for sure. They might. I hope so. But the Washington Nationals this summer on a Saturday afternoon game played the game dressed as the Montreal Expos, yeah. all in Expos uniforms. It was broadcast on the uh, French network uh, on television. Mm-hmm. The English sports channels did not pick the game up, which very deeply disappoints me. But thankfully, I've got all the French channels too because I do understand French quite well, and they have much better coverage of the Montreal sports market. So they broadcast this game live, and I watched the whole thing, and I PVR'd it, and I kept it for a while, and I'd go back to it and look at it again. Mm-hmm. It was just so great to see them playing. Uh, and they won that game, which was, which was great. But they didn't have a good start to the season. In a lot of ways, they're the St. Louis Blues of, the, of baseball this year. Right, yes. Because on, on the 23rd of May, uh, which was maybe a quarter of the way into the season, they play 162 games. So at this point, they had played uh, 40 games. So yeah, it's a quarter of the way into the season. 50 games, more than that. They were 19-31. and 31. They were second to last in their division. They were 19 wins, 31 losses. They were junk junk and then they flicked a switch and turned it around mm-hmm. and and from that moment on they went 74 and 38 <laughs> 74 and 38 wow. it's you know that's almost two to one <laughs> yeah. wins to losses really? they just something happened uh something happened and but despite that amazing record they i would say the best record in baseball in the second half of the season mm-hmm. But they had started from so far behind that when they got to the end of the regular season, they only had a wild card spot. Yeah. <laughs> they were them and the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. And it's a with the NHL, it's fairly straightforward. Our wild cards actually get into a full blown series. Yes. A best of seven, I think, too. But in the Major League Baseball, there are three divisions in each league. And then there's the two wildcard teams who play one game winner-takes-all to become that fourth playoff. Which is pretty exciting. It's very exciting. The Washington Nationals were behind in that game uh, against Milwaukee. In the eighth inning, they were down 3-1. They won the game. Nice. Won the wildcard spot. Then they went on to the division series. Um, In game four and game five, which were both elimination games for Washington, mm-hmm. they were down in the game. This is when they played the Dodgers? Played the uh, Dodgers. In the in game four, they were down one nothing early in the game. In game five, they were down 3 nothing in the eighth inning. And then uh, they tied it and then eventually went into extra innings and they hit a grand slam. Howie Kendrick hit a grand slam in the 10th inning and, and won the game. So that was like, mm. that was the deciding game because they were best of five series up to yep. that point. And then they go on, uh, they sweep the Cardinals, four games to nothing, yep. and have a long rest before they sort out who the American League is going to present to them. And it's the heavily favored Houston Astros. Here they are again, back in the World Series. Massively great record in baseball. And Washington, who just squeaked into the wild card, squeaked into the 
division series. Mm-hmm. Did well in the champion series, but now they won their pennant, but now they're in the World Series against Houston. Seven-game series. The road team won every single game. It's incredible. They were up 2-0 in that series to start it, I think, weren't they? They were up 2-0. They yeah. go back to Washington with a 2-0 lead. Three games to play because in, in baseball, whereas the NHL goes 2-2, two 1-1-1. Yeah, two, one, one one. In Major League Baseball, <clears throat> it's 2, 3 away, and then the last two are back home. Yeah. <clears throat> so they went to Washington with a two games to nothing lead. They lost all three games in Washington. Yeah, which is crazy. They go back to Houston down three to two. Uh oh, this is it. Yeah, down three to two going back to Houston. Game six, they're down uh, two to one in the fifth inning. They come back and win that game, forcing a seventh and deciding game. Yeah. In game seven, they're down two nothing in the seventh inning. <laughs> yeah. Game that seven. A, that was a long game. Oh, it was massive. It's crazy, and it was, and I had to PVR it because I'd come home to go to my class that night, and I couldn't stay up to watch it all because it's in Houston. Yeah. So it was starting late to begin with for us. So I PVR'd it, and I stayed off social media and everything. When I got up the next morning, I had the day off the next day to go back out to my uh, my vacation spot. So I delayed my departure until I could watch the game off the PVR in real time, and. I actually didn't know how it was going to end. So I'm sitting there. It's the bottom of the seventh, top of the eighth, bottom, and I'm watching them come back. Um, It was just unbelievable to see that comeback and to see that win. Uh, So emotional. And there's a great connection with uh, the Montreal Expos here. It's not just the former Expos team, but Ryan Zimmerman, who's the longest-serving member of the Washington Nationals, he was actually the Montreal Expos pick in 2005 because you picked, like in hockey, yep. you picked based on how you finished. <clears throat> the Expos finished terribly mm. in 2004, and in 2005, the Nationals inherited that pick because they were still the same organization, and they drafted fourth that year, and they they drafted Ryan Zimmerman. And he started playing for them in September of 2005. Uh, which is rare in, in the NH in the NHL when you got a Heischer, you got a McDavid, you got a Crosby. Uh, they may not spend a whole lot of time in the minors, maybe none at all. You might just mm. like Saku Koi would just pop him right in the major leagues. With baseball, there's a lot more development. There's a lot more slowness to it, and it's rare that someone gets drafted and mm. then actually plays that same season. But in this case, Zimmerman did. And he's played with them ever since. He's never played for any other team. Which is impressive. A, a very impressive. And he contributed. He's not just a guy in the bench. He got a home run. <clears throat> excuse me, a home run in one of the games. Mm. Uh, he would go in in substitution. He's not one of the regular nine rotation or one of the regular eight fielders. But he he played a lot for an old guy. And in baseball, mm. 35 is an old guy. And however old he actually is, he's about that age, maybe a little bit less. Uh, Dave Martinez, the manager of the Nationals, was a Montreal Expo. From 1988 to 1991, he played for the Montreal Expos, and now he's managing the Nationals. So it's it was just something to see. I've been waiting for this for years and years and years. I want this team to succeed. If Montreal ever gets another team, if the Tampa Bay Rays move to Montreal, let's say, right. I will probably by birthright have to cheer for them, That's but I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for the Nationals. And until there is another team in Montreal, which may never happen, the Nationals are my team. Boom. So, Boom. There you go. It was awesome. They had their parade uh, yesterday, Saturday, in Washington. Yep. And I watched a lot of that, and uh, it was it was well done. I was looking for Expos hats in the crowd. I didn't see any in the parade route. Mm-hmm. But often at games, you will see Expos regalia 
among the fans in the crowd. Whether oh, it's absolutely. Montrealers going down or just Washington Nationals fans paying tribute. Yeah. And the franchise retired numbers of players early on, Tim oh, Raines, Gary cool. Carter. And you'll see the Expos logos up in Nationals Park. Nice. Uh, so I, I just, I love that they've kept that connection and they haven't forgotten their own roots. And I bet there's been a lot of parties and stuff in Montreal itself. Oh yeah. Uh, at bars and pubs and Had people's houses and um, there'll be more as well. So Had to be. Pretty cool. But one thing I'll just, uh, I'll just finish with because I, this is a hockey podcast and I've just It's whatever out. podcast we want it to be. <laughs> Um, the, the lineup is great. Hopefully most of them will be back next year, but one guy who may not be back next year is Max Scherzer. Mm. He has in his contract four years left to go, but he has an opt out clause and reportedly yesterday it was announced that he decided to activate his opt out clause. Now there's no salary cap in baseball. Mm. And they get played pretty heftily in, in, in baseball. Yeah. So right now, if he stays in Washington under his current contract in the next four years, mm -hmm. he stands to make $100 million. Jeez. He's making $25 million a year. Okay. And he said, I think there might be a better offer out there. I'm going to activate my option to opt out. So I'm going to sit back and see if I... So he's almost in a free agent situation. Wow. Now. And it's an opt out. I don't know if he's if that means he's not going to play for Washington for sure or whether he just has to wait for a better offer and then decide what to do. But obviously he's not going to take an offer less than $25 million. Yeah, exactly. that's what he's going to get if he stays. $25 million a year. Walking away from it. Walking away. Like, uh, not walking away from it, but walking away. Yeah, like putting that at risk. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Because the next contract might might be $30 million, but only for two years or something. So yeah, that's right. you're walking away from $40 million. Yeah. Um, that's just nuts. So I, I, while I don't like the salary cap in the NHL for reasons I've already talked about many yep. times, I think this is extreme in the other sense. It, I agree, yeah. There's wow. definitely pros and cons on both sides. I don't know. If, it's tough. It's, it's How would an NHL player get out of a contract that they didn't want to be in? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, <laughs> like you can ask for a, a... You can ask for a trade. You a, can... Maybe renegotiate ahead of time. You can refuse to play and then they still own the con They still own your rights or something like that. You can't play in any other league for a year after that, I think. Then you can... Then after the year, you can still play in other leagues around the world, I think. I don't but know you, I still own your rights, or I don't know. It's it is complicated for sure. But mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, it's if you walk away from the team that you're signed to, uh, you certainly can't come back anytime soon because yeah. they do own your rights for a while. Exactly, but that's why RFAs can go play wherever they want in Europe because they aren't signed. Like I mean, an RFA that's done their contract, the team owns their rights. They haven't come to an agreement on a contract like with Nylander mm -hmm. the other yeah. year. They can go play because he's not under contract, so he can play wherever he wants, but Toronto Maple Leafs still own his rights. He can't sign with any other NHL team. But if a player quits to play for a team, he can't go play for another league because he's on contract with an NHL team. Does that yeah, make sense? To a point. With, with, well, look at the Ajo situation. He, can, he signed with Montreal in the off season, but then the Carolina matched. Yes. So that, that's how they reassert their rights on the players to match right. the offer. 
uh, from within the league. But yeah, the rest of it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say for mm-hmm. this podcast, really. But you were going to talk about the future. Right. So basically, uh, I, have a, I have an apartment. I move in. I moved in technically Friday, uh, but most of my stuff I'm moving in today, tonight. So this podcast will definitely be delayed. It won't be released until later tonight, unfortunately, because I need to set up my computer and then I need to edit it and all that stuff. But anyways, there's going to be two sets. There's going to be a set at my apartment where I do some filming solo and the odd time I'll have a guest. And then the podcast will have its own setup uh, at Jason's place in his basement. Now we're going to, right now his basement's unfinished. We're going to put up um, some drywall and we're going to paint it and everything. And we're going to create a set, a background that's going to look a little bit similar to this. It's not going to be with black curtains. It's actually going to be a white wall with some shelves and some a wardrobe that you can hang jerseys in and stuff. We're going to build our own desk, our own podcast desk. Um, we are going to rebrand the second channel. I'll save the details on that for maybe a conversation with Jason in a podcast. So I can give you guys some insights. But the second channel will be rename, renamed. Not crazy renamed, but it'll still be post-to-post. It'll be post-to-post something. And um, we'll do some different style videos on there. But there's going to be a lot more content on the second channel. Um, so if you're not subscribed to that, head on over and, and subscribe to more post-to-post. I think it's linked in the description. And um, so that's the plan right now. So by, I would say, January... Both sets will be pretty much completed. Um, my set at my place will be completed this week for the most part. Um, I have one upgrade to get hopefully on Black Friday. <laughs> we'll see if it goes on sale. Uh, the set of Jason's for the podcasts, which will still come out every Sunday, uh, will be a little low budget uh, for for now as far as background, but... Uh, it's coming. We're going to work hard on it over the next month. So, yeah, I just appreciate all you guys' patience. I didn't release any videos this week, um, unfortunately. Moving, job, whatever. But uh, I want to talk about the Anaheim Ducks jersey. We have that filmed from like three weeks, four, three or four weeks ago that I haven't released yet. Um, the new Nashville Predator jersey was just released for the Winter Classic. Uh, so I'll make a video about that. And there's a couple other things I want to make a video about as well. So, um, yeah. Thank you for your patience. I really appreciate it. And uh, do you hear that crow? I do. You guys hear that crow? There's a crow outside. We're in a we're in a an insulated house basement basement of a house. I uh, it this sounds like pissed. yeah. The crow's not happy. Yeah, it's obviously uh, not happy with something it's looking at on the ground. There's a raccoon or a skunk or a fox or something running around mm-hmm. down there, and the crow is telling it off. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening and watching, guys. I really appreciate it. If you can subscribe to the, our YouTube channel, if you're not, um, that would be awesome. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Music, uh, whatever. However you listen to the podcast, really appreciate that. Um, we'll, we'll come at you with some more videos this week and then the podcast with Jason uh, this coming Sunday. So thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you then. Adios. <laughs>